HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Why is Heritage Radio Network important to you? HRN is very nostalgic to go into because it's really the only place that you have this really warm, homey experience to watch people get together and talk about the things that really make a difference. It's really fun when I ask guests, do you want to be on Heritage? And they're like, Roberta's yes, 100%. I believe that we all are really trying to bring people together. I think... Getting more people excited about good, local, well-crafted food and away from big ag and tasteless commodity food is so important. It's kind of an honor to be sitting there with somebody in a space where so many other people have sat. Join HRN's vibrant community of thoughtful eaters. Become a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. episode should we sing merry christmas and then i was like merry christmas to you merry christmas to you merry christmas dear g and nicole merry christmas to you and many more (laughs) welcome to life's a banquet a show about christmas (laughs) welcome elves it's like that christmas store that's open all year round but it's a podcast Yes, it's like that. Or the Halloween store that's open all year round, but it's also a Christmas podcast. They're not open all year round. They're not? No. Hmm. They the just take abandoned warehouses and they just open them for like a month. No, 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 no. Oh, the one in The one in Union Square. That's like a costume shop, though. Yeah, but I mean, you don't wear costumes that often outside of Halloween. That's what I'm saying. You do in New York where everyone's an actor. That's true. Or if you're into weird LARPing. Yes. Or normal LARPing. Or any kind we of We don't LARPing. upset the LARPing community. The, Sorry, LARPers. <laughs> huge fans of us. Weird LARPing. All our LARPer listeners are just like, fuck you guys. We quit. <laughs> we quit this dumb show. <laughs> God, we're going back to LARPing. All right. Goodbye. Okay. And this is our Christmas. <laughs> what are you doing for Christmas, Dingling? I'm going to Indiana. Uh-huh. Apolis. Ooh. <laughs> Spooky Christmas. <laughs> um, I feel bad because last episode I said that Indianapolis wasn't cool. That was mean of you. And I feel guilty, so I just want to say that it is cool. I just think maybe it could be slightly less cooler than Milwaukee. Yeah. Because of things like city size, that's all. Not because of... Sure. Anyway, no one's listening to this podcast from Indianapolis anyway. That's are they? fine. Yeah, they are. And it's probably more <laughs> cool than, let's say, Mobile, Alabama. Mobile. Yeah, I mean, Indianapolis has its charms, and I know all of them because I'm from there. Name its number one charm. Also, my friend went there finally for, he went there for work, and he loved it. Like, he, I gave really? him a bunch of recommendations, and then he sent me back recommendations of places that he had found. What the hell? And Who's your was, friend, Peyton Manning? My friend Ryan, who oh. he used to travel out for his old company. Love job. Ryan. What up, Ryan Wanslow? Um, he was like, "Oh, I also ate at this cool like Mexican restaurant," and I was like, "Oh my god, I never even heard of this place before." And he had a great time. Cool. He also ate at Saint Elmo's Steakhouse, which is like the oldest steakhouse, really, on the planet. I have no idea. How. It's <laughs> Earth's old. oldest steakhouse. Does <laughs> it have anything to do with Saint Elmo 
Elmo's Fire or America's Forgotten Sweetheart, Emilio Estevez? Well, saying Elmo's Fire is like a natural phenomenon, like the Northern Lights or something. Oh, really? I yeah. never saw the movie, and I don't know where Emilio Estevez has been for the past 25 years. The movie is... Mm, I don't. I've seen the movie, but I don't really remember anything about it. But the steakhouse. Do you see him naked? Is not related to that. Oh, it's not the same. No, the steakhouse has been around since like 1905. Is Saint Elmo the saint of red fur? No. Oh, (laughs) isn't Elmo the cutest name ever? I hate that whole situation. You hate Elmo? Yes. Really? Even is it the tickling that bothers you? I just feel like it's weird when an entire population of kids somehow knows to want the same toy. Yeah. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. Speaking of Christmas and like people are like squishing each other and stomping on each other's brains and heads. It's like Cabbage Patch Kids, which I had as a kid, where like they would be sold out everywhere. And if you didn't find it in time, it's the theme of so many Christmas movies and bad dads not being able to find the Christmas present in time. Yeah. They're like, this is all I had to do. The only responsibility I had to my children all year. And I still just couldn't get it together. So (laughs) I have to fight another dad to the death. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And then like something crazy is going to happen. We're going to end up together for the whole movie. And then in the end, we'll kind of be friends. Is that the Sinbad Arnold Schwarzenegger one? I don't know. I just, I just, I, maybe I should be a movie writer. I don't know. It just sounds familiar to me. Yeah. I also think like maybe the Santa Claus, that movie has some sort of Uh, similar theme. Who knows? Yeah. The Santa Claus. And actually Tom Arnold or whatever his name is, Tim Allen was in my head the whole time I was telling that story. So that's maybe the Santa Claus. Maybe. And not Jingle All the Way, which is the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody wants to sit on my lap. Ho, ho, ho. No, Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Ho, ho, freezing cold winter ice. Cold, (laughs) chilly, freezing igloos. That's Mr. Freeze. He's not in that (laughs) Jingle All the Way. It's a different character. Freezing Santa's reindeer paws. (laughs) (laughs) So... Anyway. Frozen palms, ice skating, and falling through the ice. I don't know how somehow you managed to do an Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation, no matter what we talk about. <laughs> Hot and spicy tacos. <sighs> tacos? Shut up. I'm just saying, I could apply it to anything. Anyway, I have things to do, so let's talk are you, about... Are you curious at all what I'm going to do for Christmas? It doesn't seem so, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I don't think that... I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to go to Bamonte's on Christmas Eve. Like oh, I right, do every goddamn year. That's yes. cute. Tradition. Um, what did you tell me recently tradition. about the, old, the oldest oh, waiter there? Oh, my God. So <laughs> I've been going to Bamonte's forever. What, literally, though, I'm 35 now, and I've been going to Bamonte's since I was, like, 20. Mm-hmm. So that's 15 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's a waiter there who you guys might remember from Bon Appetit. He was in the issue a couple months back. He was? Yeah, he was, like, in their Italian-American, he was, like, a centerfold. He was not nude, thank heavens. But his name is Silvio, and I love him. He's mm-hmm. my bud, and he always takes good care of us. He's great stories. I've been at Bamonti's hundreds of times, I yeah. think. And, you know, we, we embrace every time I go in there. He gives me a big kiss on the cheek. He's great. He looks very old. Now, Silvio, if you're listening, no offense, but you do look a bit elderly. Also, you're not listening, so it's fine. But I found out the other day, because I was reading something, I don't know where it came up, um that maybe the farmer's almanac that he's 70 only he's only 70 but he i would believe that he was 95 you can't be <laughs> it's just really funny that you think that someone would still be serving tables at 95 i mean my parents are 70 and they look great like i don't know what what's going on here but he's you know fit and lively but he does look as though he's definitely at least 85 he looks he, i would agree with that i mean i've met him yeah. many times he but 70s old not that as old as 85. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, mean, I was shocked. He's, maybe he's lying about his age. Well, that's true. That's actually probably makes the most amount of sense. I'll have to just ask him how old he is, which I know is uncouth, but I don't care. No, you can ask a man how old he is. Yeah. You just can't ask a woman. Men are allowed to age as long as they want. Women have to stop. Maybe I'll just slice his leg off and count the rings. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, so what are we talking about today, Nicole? What you got for us? Um, so this is our Christmas episode and I wanted to do so many things and eventually I had this whole list of things and I'm like, I'm going to just do little blurbs about all of them, like candy canes, figgy pudding. But in fact, I started researching fruitcake and it's just, there's so much there that I had to just do fruitcake. So fascinating. You know, I also think fruitcake really gets a bad rap because you can make a perfectly good fruitcake and even a bad one. I think I'd probably like so this is i have a question do you, you've eaten fruitcake then well okay i've never eaten the fruitcake that has like the color really like neon colored 
fruit jellies in it. But I have eaten like other fruit cakes. Like, like in what? Like where did you get them? Well, I make a somewhat of a fruit cake. That's you make delicious. A fruit cake. Yeah, it's kind of a fruit cake. It's very dense. I think you would love it. Sure. You make it with. I don't remember where I got this recipe, but I obviously adapted it to meet my own needs. But you take like apricots, figs, prunes, all kinds of dried fruit. Like, yep. Dried cherries, no craisins, no thank you. You could put a craisin. I don't like a craisin. Yeah, I'm not so into them, but I, I like um, dried cherries. But anyway, so you take all that and like a bunch of different nuts. Crazy nuts, cashews, walnuts, hazelnuts, pistachios. Brazil nuts? Brazil nuts. And then there's... Because those are crazy nuts. I don't like a Brazil nut. A Brazil nut They're has crazy. no place. They're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um... And you mix it together. I think there's a little flour in there, like cinnamon. And like Wait, couple. so you don't soak the fruits in booze? You can, but, but not for but this. You, you, you don't. Me, no. Okay. No, no. Heavens to Murgatroyd, no. But you could. And anyway, so it's bound together with like a very little tiny bit of flour and sugar. And mm-hmm. I think maybe an egg. And um, like cinnamon and nutmeg and some, you know, pumpkin spices. And then uh, you bake it. And it's really just like a fruit log. It's like a- like a candy bar almost it is i think i might make it this year i'll give you a slice i'll give you a sliver i think you'd like it it's very good i so i actually i'm pretty sure i've never had fruitcake yeah um i definitely as a child did not like nuts or chunks in things so Mm. if it was around i would have not eaten it sure um and if it had been around it probably would have been store-bought but um i also was recently really interested in jamaican black cake recipes because They've been posting a lot about them in the New York Times. Mm. Jamaican black cake is just a Caribbean fruitcake um, with a ton of rum. And so basically, Ooh, yum. essentially, you take all that dried fruit, you soak it in booze for like three months, and then you blend it into a paste, Ooh. and you incorporate that into the dough, mm. and then... I, this this is not like a very don't make the recipe based on me reciting it to you. Um, but <laughs> then you bake it, and then once it's as soon as it's out of the oven, you pour rum all. You just like pour rum all Whoa. over the cake because it'll absorb all this rum, and then um, it's like this really dense, rich rum cake. With, so you probably get wasted from eating it. Well, I mean, most of the alcohol bakes off. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, so the thing is, is like just like in this cake, as in most fruit cakes, the the high amount of sugar and alcohol preserves the cake, so it can it'll last for potentially years. <laughs> really? Yeah. But whoa, let's go into it, please. Um, so fruit cake, just a little factoids here. The average weight of a fruit cake is two pounds. Oh, that's heavy. And the Harper's Index, which is how we compare density of items, says that it is the same density as mahogany. No. Oh. <laughs> and the same flavor, am I right, ladies? Yeah, it's a little chewier than yeah. mahogany, I think. Yeah, that's, I would think, yes. Um, okay, so fruitcake is 2,000 years old. Each one? No. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. They were all made 2,000 years ago. Um, the first recipe that they found is from ancient Rome... It's pomegranate seeds, pine nuts, and raisins mixed with barley mash. Oh, yuck. Sounds gross. I don't like pine nuts. It's one of the only two things I don't like. Huh. I'll eat a pine nut, though, but they make... You know why I don't like pine nuts? This is a little sidebar. They if, can get rancid. Well, yes, and if you get cheap pine nuts that are not Italian pine nuts, um, they can have an effect in your mouth where they make you taste bitter for, like, a week, and that will happen to me <laughs> if I eat cheap shitty pine nuts all right well these are probably not cheap shitty pine nuts i'm sure they were of the best quality in the year 19 which was 2000 (laughs) years ago Uh, (laughs) um also it's been around you know forever crusaders took them when they went to the holy land to go fuck shit up over there um in the early 18th century it was banned uh-oh. By the church. No. For being too sinful and oh. rich. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would ban it again. Am I right, everyone? <laughs> Wait till I get to the jokes section. Okay, perfect. Of this, okay? um, <laughs> it was a popular wedding cake choice. Oftentimes, that Jamaican black cake was made for weddings, too. Oh, nice. Um, That's and fun. obviously, you know, it's probably some result of colonization, but who cares? <laughs> um, 
It was a popular wedding cake choice, and in the 19th century, it was customary for guests of the wedding to sleep with a slice of fruitcake under their pillow so they would dream about who they were going to marry. Oh, my God. I'm going to do that every night until I find a boyfriend or husband. <laughs> um, Queen Victoria, Charles and Di, and Kate Middleton and Prince William all had fruitcake as their wedding cake. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, with frosting on it. Yeah. With frosting on it? Yep. Yeah. So they had a big, beautiful cake, and what did it weigh, like 700 pounds? I mean, I love spice cake. <laughs> sure, me too, but I'm just saying, you're already saying it's two and a half pounds. I'm picturing per slice. Per <laughs> loaf. So, no, but those lo- loaves are tiny. You have like a giant royal wedding cake, it probably has 10 layers, so that's 20 pounds. Okay, it just sounds like really heavy, <laughs> but I totally well, eat it. Well, they don't have to carry it, the servants do that. That's true. I'd eat almost anything, though. Um, Yeah, so now we should talk about... So basically, back then, people were like, yay, fruitcake is chill. We love it. Let's take it to the Crusades with us. Yum. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously, we know now that it had a fall from grace. So mail order cakes became available in 1913. And the phrase, nutty as a fruitcake, was coined in 1935. Interesting. And most likely, as all things, the reason why people started hating fruitcake is because it started to become mass produced. Mm-hmm. The quality was not great and they would be really dry and oh yeah. Gross. Um so mass production kills, you guys. Um and so some people also so then like basically what we can say is there's some nutty fruitcake out there right now. It's a surprise party. There's a surprise party and someone or is freaking the fuck party. out. Santa is not real. Anyway. It's a big, it's a Santa reveal. Congratulations on your birth. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people, so whatever, it started to decline in popularity. A lot of people think that Johnny Carson is actually responsible for society's dislike of fruitcake because he made a joke that there is actually only one fruitcake in the world and everyone just passes it around <laughs> to each other. Um, that's funny. But that's not true. Because there are jokes about fruitcake in the Donner Reed Show and Father's Knows Best, which came out years before The Tonight Show. So it's not Johnny Carson. Also, they can kind of be traced back to jokes that were made in Warner Brothers cartoons. So pretty much, theoretically, Warner Brothers cartoons were the first people to like publicly make fun of fruitcake. Do you think that fruitcake is the most shamed food of all time? Possibly. Is anything more like made fun of and... It's like, an, it's like an easy joke. Yeah. Um, what happened next, guys? <laughs> oh, you tell us. Really, I'm going to party out there. Um, okay, so that was fruitcake kind of then, but obviously it didn't really regain popularity. But, I mean, people like you, there have been articles, things have changed. They're like, well, what is the What problem? am I like? What's, people that are like, oh, what is the actual problem with fruitcake? If you'd make it without crappy oh, ingredients, it'll taste good. Right, I thought you were calling it like a human trash can or something. Like, oh, I'll eat anything. No. People like me. Um, in, so things, you know, whatever. Also, fruitcake, as I mentioned before, can last a very long time. So not all of the... American fruitcake recipes have booze in them, but they uh, do have a ton of sugar, and the sugar also acts as a preservative and it prevents mold. Oh, wow. um, but a lot of them have the booze, which prevents mold as well. And a lot of ways of storing it back then meant that you would soak cloth in alcohol and wrap that in the cake in that, and that would prevent mold. So it would last. Oh. Like, it would could last for years. That's amazing. So in two thousand three, Jay Leno had a guest on his show who brought a family heirloom fruitcake. That had been baked in 1878. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? No. That's crazy. And he ate a piece of it. He did? Yeah. And that's why we have a Jay Leno 2 now? Because he, he like, died immediately after? He like scraped off a little piece with a pocket knife. And he said, I think it needs more time. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good joke. He's a, he's a good joke writer. That's funny. In 2017, the Antarctic Heritage Trust discovered a 100-year-old fruitcake. And they declared... That it was almost edible. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, Jay Leno ate one that was more than 100 years old, though. Yeah, 1878. He ate it in 2003. That's, like, not... A, I would not have done that if I was him. I can't do math, but but it's preserved. Like I know, but still. The thing is, like, it wouldn't hurt you. It just isn't going to taste... It's not the texture of it's going to be all weird. Apparently, it had, it had crystallized. Like the sugar had crystallized. Oh, so it. it was just... Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Just became like preserved like anything. Like a lump of coal. Like a 700 year egg or whatever. Sure. Um, they, um, right. So, and now there's this people in there. Okay. First of all, sorry. I did not realize that there were monks in the United States, but there are. Apparently. Oh yeah. The United U.S. is teeming with monks. I had no idea. So there is an abbey called the Assumption Abbey in the Ozarks in Missouri. And they make 25,000 fruitcakes a year to support the Abbey. Like, that's how they make their money. Oh, wow. That's cute. Um, They don't use day-glow fruit or citron, which is that bright, like, that candied rind that turned green in the Uh olden ones. Very bitter and weird. Um, They do use a lot of rum. They actually, when the cake comes out of the oven, they take syringes and inject rum into it. Oh, my God. Because when it's hot, it absorbs more alcohol. It's very interesting. Get down, monks. Do it. Get Um, us drunk. Brother Joseph Reich, who is the chief fruitcake maker at the Abbey says, the rummier, the yummier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> huh? He also, okay, so they used to, that Abbey used to support themselves by making concrete bricks, and then that didn't end up being as lucrative. Yeah. And so they now have a saying, so they switched to fruitcake. They're like, if you like our concrete bricks, you'll love our fruitcake. That's their <laughs> slogan. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Yes, it's really funny and self-aware. I did not know that there are monks out there making fruitcake, especially not in the United States of America. Yeah, and they're also making fruitcake puns. And they're just monks going around taking tiny syringes full of rum and pushing them into little loaves of fruitcake. It's the cutest. It makes me want to be a monk, to be honest. Yes, same. I want to go to the Ozarks. Sure. Looks great. Um, just watch that show starring Jason Bateman or whatever. But um, December 27th is National Fruitcake Day. Okay, mark your calendar. Okay. Um, and then there's also another national holiday called... Christmas. Toss Your Fruitcake Day, oh. which is on the first Saturday in January. In <laughs> Manitou or Manitou Springs, Colorado, they have a big to-do about it. Um, people build... Because basically they have a contest to see how far you can throw your fruitcake. Um, people build catapults, they build slingshots, and some people just throw them by hand, which to me is hilarious That's because awesome. all of your neighbors are like building huge catapults and you're just coming <laughs> out there and being like, mm, and they're like throwing it. It's a competition to see how far you can throw it. So like that guy who just throws it by hand is just like, to me, the hero of the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the record for the farthest fruitcake throw is 1,470 feet. That record was set in 2007 by eight Boeing engineers who created a mock artillery piece fueled by compressed air pumped by an exercise bike. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a good use of their time. 1,500 feet. Yeah. That's really, I don't even know how far that is, to be honest, in miles or uh, pounds. How much is that in quarts? I don't know, but that's insane. <laughs> also, don't worry. I mean, this is kind of weird to me, but they, they recognize that Throwing fruitcake for contests is food waste, so everyone yeah. who participates has to donate something to a food bank that's not oh. a fruitcake. Okay. But it's still... Uh, is that how that works? Like, you make a fruitcake, you throw it on the ground? I don't know. I don't, Whatever. Know. I don't want to judge these people. It seems like it's fun. It seems fun. There's the spirit of Christmas is alive in me, so... A bunch of, like, drunk coyotes, like, running around. <laughs> fat, huge, diabetic, drunken coyotes running around in this gorge. I don't think that these Boeing engineers are coyotes. Anyway... They're not coyotes, dude. The the coyotes oh, are eating the food the cake. Drunk fat coyotes. That exactly. Like, are like, oh my god! I can't. <laughs> thought I meant they were coyotes, like drug coyotes. I thought you were just like describing the people of Colorado as coyotes. No, that's terrible. I wouldn't even know what that would mean. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like the animals in the surrounding area that yeah. like are eating all the fruit cakes. Like, yeah, they're glowing eyes. They're like <laughs> glowing fruit eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one more thing for further reading, um, if anyone's a nerd like me and wants to do more research, so probably not anyone, but I recommend Fruitcake is Forever, a humorous column written by Russell Baker for the New York Times in 1983. It's really, it's like the, it's seasonal gourd season of the 80s. It's like making fun of Fruitcake. Amazing. Funny and lame. Send it to me. I want to read it. Okay. We'll post the link to that on our Page, which is Life's Banquet Podcast on Instagram.com. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. Okay. Bye. You listen to Heritage Radio Network because, let's face it, you have really good taste. You care about where your food comes from 
who made it, and its impact on the planet. Whether you're looking for an inspiring interview with your favorite celebrity chef, the latest on Dave Arnold's Spinzol, or if you want to get down and dirty with some agricultural policy, we've got you covered. 10 years in and 13,000 episodes later, HRN continues to be the go-to media outlet for thoughtful eaters like you. And we never could have done it without the support of our listeners. Help Food Radio continue in the future and help us raise enough funds for the year to come. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. And since you've got such good taste, we have some very cool member gifts for you to choose from. Thanks for listening and for being a part of the HRN community. And we're back. Hello. Hi. That was an amazingly long break. I was fell asleep three times. Yeah. Um... I am working on a poem that I'm writing. Just kidding. As I mentioned last week, poems make me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, what about rap music? That's not... No. I, I mean, I understand someone can make the argument that rap is poetry, but it's just... It's a rhyme. It's not a poem. Or hmm. it is. I just mean the idea of someone, like, writing a poem and then reciting it, to me, makes me feel sweaty and uncomfortable. <laughs> But that will never happen, so I don't have to worry about it. You don't. <clears throat> okay, listen, I got all my information today from wikipedia.com, washingtonpost.com, and Spruce Eats. Oh, weird. I also got all of my information from those three websites and the National Geographic. I forgot to mention oh, that at the beginning. Oh, Nat Geo. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I also looked on Smithsonian for some of my info. So um, I am going to start this with a joke, as I like to do. Uh, my grandma died after eating too many gingerbread houses last night. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the joke. That's not a joke. The doctor diagnosed her with a rare case of munch housing syndrome. What? <laughs> Where did you find that joke? Munchausen syndrome. Do you know what that syndrome is? Yes, of course. Munchausen <laughs> by proxy when you it's, make the person next to you or that you love sick. That joke is not funny. <laughs> it is, though. It is really funny. Munchausen syndrome? Come I also on. like that your grandma died from eating too many gingerbread houses well, as all, if those are edible. It also doesn't make sense. You'd be like, my grandma like killed my grandpa with because she had Munchausen by proxy. Usually they have to kill their kids. It's always the kid. My grandmother killed my mom because she has was diagnosed with a rare form of Munchausen by proxy is a better way to say that joke. But it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> Okay, guys, I'm talking about gingerbread up in this bitch. So, early, earliest forms of gingerbread can be traced to the Greeks and Egyptians, what can't, um, who used it for ceremonial purposes. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of ceremonies. I, my curiosity stopped there. Like human sacrifice, I'm assuming. Exactly. And they just, like, maybe made the sarcophaguses out of gingerbread back in the day. It was like gingerbread men. Why do you think that that is a thing? It's because they used to just kill people. I'm going to tell you why gingerbread (laughs) men is a thing in a little bit, and it's pretty funny. Um, Gingerbread in Europe in the 11th century uh, was popular with crusaders who brought it back from the Middle East for the aristocrats to cook and experiment with. Huh, this is very similar to my story, but we, the crusaders, took the fruitcake to... The Crusades. The Crusaders were just taking all the most disgusting things. They're like, all right, I guess we got gingerbread and fruitcake. I love gingerbread. <laughs> I do, too. Also, I just love the story of the Crusaders. Is they're just, like, toting baked goods around <laughs> and not, Anybody like, wants a gingerbread? slaughtering people for religious reasons. I know. I thought they were eating, like, raw turkey legs, but it turns out it was fruitcake and gingerbread. How sophisticated. You know what, like, a really important film about the Crusades is? is Robin Hood starring Kevin Costner. Casey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has kind of a British accent in that. For the beginning, and then it goes away. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Kevin Costner. I love him. I love him. I share your love of Kevin he Costner. He can do nothing wrong. Did we ever tell the story on the podcast about the Kevin Costner thing at Brucey? Yes. We did? Yeah. We can't stop talking about it's Kevin funny. Costner. I know, but when people thought he was really going to be there? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have no memory. You know what's funny, though? When people repeat things on other podcasts, I'm like, you already said that, you idiots. But, like, I can't remember what we said. What is that? I, like, turn it off when that happens. I think it's a rare form of Munchausen proxy. Can people hear the birthday song in the background right now? Yeah. I mean, there's something... There's a birthday party going on here for the This lady has 30 friends, 30 closest friends. Paris Hilton (laughs) up in this bitch. She's getting a birthday cheese plate also. Oh, I mean, that sounds Show off. That's chic. No, it is chic. It's cool. Okay, listen. Back to gingerbread. 
Um, so early gingerbread was made out of ground almonds, breadcrumbs, rose water, sugar, and ginger. Um, the paste almonds. Yeah, then the paste was pressed into wooden molds. And then they served it as, like, a storyboard. So it was kind of made... Which is actually interesting, because my dad, when I was younger, used to kind of do the same thing, but without um, gingerbread. But he'd make, like, a storyboard out of, like, paper mache and to tell me... What's uh, a storyboard in this situation? A storyboard is, like... Uh, like, think of a board that looks like this table here, but made out of either ginger or, in my family's case, my dad's case, paper mache And so instead of telling me... Um, just reading me nursery rhymes and stories and stuff, he'd create them and like a board or whatever. And then, um, but so I guess they would tell sto- stories of what happened during the day out of gingerbread. Is there a double birthday There's going another on? Another birthday. God for someone damn else. it. Save room for Jesus and his birthday, which is coming up any day now. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Holy Lord. I don't know anything about religion. Um, okay. So yeah, they would tell stories. They would finish it with gold leaf and gold paint which sounds extremely extravagant for a (laughs) gingerbread house but who am i um the first gingerbread man was created in the 16th century by queen elizabeth what who wait (laughs) queen elizabeth made gingerbread men she wanted uh, there was a bunch of visiting like dignitaries coming to the the palace and so she wanted their likenesses to be um (laughs) Made up in gingerbread, and that's how gingerbread men were created. Because I guess it's so like it's so, it's like a food, but it so easily can form into like a wood or paper exactly. thing. Like it's like it designed. Well, I'm gonna tell you, Wikipedia defines a gingerbread man as such. Most gingerbread men share a roughly humanoid shape, <laughs> with stubby feet and no fingers. Many gingerbread men have a face. Though whether the features are indentations within the face itself or other candies stuck on it with icing or chocolate (laughs) varies from recipe to recipe. I'm scared. Other decorations are common. Hair. (gasps) Shirt cut. Hair. Hair. Shirt cuffs and shoes are sometimes applied. Shoes. Did Martha Stewart write this Wikipedia article? <laughs> My favorite part, with stubby ha- feet and no fingers. No toes so either. If, but- you, <laughs> if you see a gingerbread figure with fingers, it's not a man, or it's a gingerbread alien. Um, other decorations are common. Hair, shirt cuffs, and shoes are sometimes applied. But by far, the most popular decoration is shirt buttons, which are traditionally represented by gumdrops, icing, or everybody's least favorite dried fruit, the raisin. I gotta tell you... I don't mind a raisin. I like raisins. It has to be strategically placed, but I know that they have... It has ha- to be a button. And gingerbread man always has a couple of dots on the front of him, but until this moment, I never realized that those were buttons on his shirt. You thought he had, like, some kind of interesting surgery? I don't know. For his rare case I of Munchausen? I guess that means that Frosty the Snowman's <laughs> wearing button-up shirt also? Yeah, would you think he has three belly buttons? No, I just, like, didn't associate... They were bullet holes? <laughs> they're just, like, they're just three dots. They don't have any... There's nothing... Why would they be wearing clothes? Why would he, he's not wearing clothes? It's just wearing buttons for some reason on no clothes. He's <laughs> <laughs> nude except for three buttons. But that's what I mean. That is what my brain thought of without actually thinking of it. But now I realize there must be a shirt. It is an implied shirt. Exactly. <laughs> the shirt is implied, as you'll notice. The pants are not. Otherwise, there would be a fly made out of like a pretzel stick. The gingerbread man is a fairy tale about a gingerbread man who comes to life, outruns an elderly couple and animals, and then in the end, unfortunately, is devoured whole by a fox. Yes, he is. In the night, in the 1812 Grimm's fairy tale, Hansel and Gretel, um, the two kids obviously eat up a house that's made of gingerbread, an old witch that was going to try to eat them. They eat her house? They're eating her house. That's why she gets so pissed. They're nibbling at the house. I mean, she was already pissed. Her life goal is to eat children. Yeah, so. she's a monster. She wanted them to eat the house. But so that's where it became popular from the story. Now they say, really? yes, that's where gingerbread houses came from, basically. However, huh. um, they say that they were already being made like years before, but that the story popularized it. So which came first? The uh, gingerbread house or the <laughs> haunted witch with Munchausen's? Oh my god! <laughs> they actually literally had Munchausen, Hansel and Gretel. They were house Munch- Munchausens. They were Munchausens. Mm-hmm. I'm confused. So, um, and then early German settlers and the Grimm's were German. Um, brought 
Lebkunaskuchi. See, can't pronounce it. It's over 25 letters long, this word. Um, otherwise known as the gingerbread house tradition to America in the 1800s after the Grimm story. Probably to Milwaukee. To Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the brandy old fashioned and the cheese curd also. Have you had cheese curd? Yeah. So squeaky and squishy. Do they do that in Indiana? No. Pretty good. All right. So the tradition of the White House gingerbread house began in the Nixon era. So now every president since Nixon every year has a gingerbread house in the White House. Is it a replica of the White House? It's supposed to be a replica of the White House, although the first one wasn't. (laughs) Um, It was just like a house? It's something for the first ladies to do. Yeah, it was just like a basic gingerbread house. Something for the first ladies to do because they're bored. Right. Because because they're women. Right. Because why don't I take to ruining the world and or trying to save it in some very rare cases and you can just decorate this gingerbread house with the White House pastry chef. So whatever. It's one of those gendered cliched things that the first lady or maybe coming up soon the first man what's Richard or, Nixon's wife's name um Kitty Nixon uh Kate Kelly Nixon <laughs> just kidding Kelly <laughs> um no her name is Nancy Reagan Mrs. Richard Nixon is her name uh, Mrs. Richard I have it here somewhere I can't remember what her name is um anyway so that's not important the most important sure, thing is sure that, her name and oh her, Pat Nixon oh right Pat yes, Nixon yeah exactly. Patricia Nixon. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the first ladies like take it seriously and kind of get into it. And the houses are always really la- like lavish and they have, you know, intimate portraits of what it's like in the, whatever family's <laughs> life, you know, the Obamas had their dog and they, and the Clintons had, uh, you know, Monica Lewinsky. I was just going to say that <laughs> I was written in my notes as a joke because it's, it's so like, easy. They're like in the Clinton's house. You could look into all the windows. And I was like, and see Bill Clinton getting a BJ <laughs> made out of a, a gingerbread BJ and a gingerbread. That's not funny. I like, <laughs> I like Monica Lewinsky. I don't want to slut shame her. I didn't do it. I just said that she would be in the gingerbread representation. She is. She's a gingerbread woman in the whole picture. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but Melania Trump, uh-oh. Has, uh, did you guys, did you see the, like, scary Christmas decorations last year that they had put up? Or maybe the, maybe in 2017? No, I don't, I do love scary, I love scary Christmas decorations. Okay, so I'm going to read for you what I read, um, ripped from the headlines about her Christmas decorations. So she's the only first lady who has chosen not to reveal, so all the other first ladies, like, do a thing where they reveal all the decorations. What do you mean? In person, they're like, this is my decoration, this is my ornament that I like for the tree, and this is special because, you know, me and FDR got it on a trip to Aruba. I hate this. That's so insipid. I wouldn't do it it either, honestly. Right, but she didn't, I don't think she's doing it because it's insipid. I think she's just doing it because she has a cold heart and is married to, uh, you know. The devil himself. I don't know if she has a cold heart. She's a mail-order bride. That's true. She's mail-order fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's nutty as a fruitcake. She's nutty as a fruitcake. <laughs> and she has Munchausen's by proxy. Um, anyway, she won't do it. Um, she won't do she it. She ref- refuses. Also, I can't, anything, I can't imagine anything more boring than sitting in, like, uh, I'm assuming they're doing this on, like, She's TV like, or this something. This is a red ball. And this is a green ball. Here's this ornament. I mean, I agree. It's lame. But anyway, so the decorations that Trump uh, chose has been criticized widely on the internet, where a video of her walking silently has been, been compared to a scene <laughs> from The Shining, or even a dystopian handmaiden's tale. Among the blood-red trees and thousands of ornaments sits the most colorless Christmas decoration of all, a gingerbread re- replica of the entire National Mall and White House, all in white with no color whatsoever. I think that's cool. I mean, listen, here's my thing. Obviously, I don't support Trump or Melania, but the media's obsession with destroying and making fun of everything that they do is boring and irritating. It is boring, but their decorations were scary and terrifying. I mean, an all-white gingerbread house sounds chic to me. Here's the and thing. I love white chocolate, so I would like to eat it. Agreed, but, like, I don't necessarily know. Like, it's supposed... You want... There's something nostalgic about wanting the first lady and about wanting the president or the first man, whoever it is, to be warm. The White House is an old place and it's no. full of old, dusty the, the traditions. The whole thing is like you, uh, when you move in, you get to put your imprint on the place. Well, so like their imprint is scary and crazy. I mean, like her personal style and there's taste. blood everywhere. It's not blood. 
<laughs> also, I like red Christmas trees. I'm into I'm into this. And okay. Well, I don't I think everyone needs to like wipe their mouths off and stop salivating over every opportunity to just like make fun of them. You hear it, heard it here first, folks. Nicole is <laughs> voting for Donald Trump in 2020. <laughs> I'm voting for chic all white <laughs> gingerbread houses. Let's think about that. That sounds great. Like totally if you saw that at like RuPaul's Drag Race holiday of party, course. you'd be like, that is great. Absolutely. But it's not that. So that's the thing that's upsetting about it. I think that I also, I reject the tradition. I've never watched it. It's never been a part of my life to watch it. I don't even understand. I never even thought that they had decorations in the White House. I just like, I'm not connected with the White House in that way. So. Okay. Well, I love the White House. I know everything about it. <laughs> it <means laughs> I vacation there in the summer. <laughs> I always go there. In 2002, um, Laura Bush had Also, their- it's called the White House. I don't know if that, you know, like one plus one equals two. She was just like, the White House. Look, it's white. I love America. The house is white. And so is everybody that lives no, in it. You sound like the guy <clears throat> from Die Hard. Ah, uh, the house. You stop making everybody's houses green. <laughs> I'm freezing in this house. That's Arnold. I Listen, know. in 2002, <laughs> um, the pastry chef created for the Bushes a replica of the White House that was covered in bushy hair. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. I thought bushes meaning bushes, not the president's bushes. No, the president's bushes. Instead of doing the White House gingerbread, he did the their genitals in gingerbread. That's and you're you're not offended by that. No, but you are offended by an all white, beautiful gingerbread house. Yeah. <laughs> he created a house, and then he also created a replica White House that featured past and present, present presidential pets. That is a t- motherfucking tongue twister. Past and present presidential pets. <laughs> it's almost impossible to say. Okay. Wait, so there's a whole one White House that's just pure yes, bushes. Yes, and then there's another, there's one that's covered in bushy pubic hair, then there's another one that is full of pets. Made of gingerbread, and particularly John Quincy Adams' pet alligator and (laughs) Carolyn Kennedy's horse. She had one horse? I mean, I guess. I don't... They had way more horses. That's all that was... pet horse. Seabiscuit, probably. That was one that was... (laughs) Mr. Ed. Um, Okay, so anyway, it just kept getting crazier and crazier. In 2009, they did one that had... Um, a f- running water fountain in it. What? In 2007, going back a little bit, uh, Bill Yosa's repl- uh, guide pastry chef Wait, named- who was president during the running water one? Obama. Um, in 2007, when Bush was still president, Bill Yosa's, the new pastry chef in the White House under the Bush administration, um, started getting creative and he started experimenting with other edible materials to build the homes like white chocolate and even matzo bread. Hmm. Which, I don't know how the Bushes dealt with that. Matzah in the White House? Yeah, it's weird. I, I mean, crazy. Um, okay, so anyway. A little very bit. poor, like, very, like, sturdy, though. Sure. A matzah bread, a matzah builds a good house. Um, largest gingerbread house ever made, I want to tell you about. Coming in at a whopping 35.8 million calories. What? You did the calorie? <laughs> Which is... <laughs> Similar to that bread you made of out of cheese the other day you were so, telling me about. Okay, I realize now that the reason that your grandma died from eating a gingerbread house is because she ate 35,000 35, 35, calories. 35.8 million calories. 35 million calories in one yeah. sitting, which would kill anyone. That would give anyone Munchausen by proxy. <laughs> um, and covering an area of 2,520 uh, 2, square feet. That's meaningless to me, though, because how many feet do normal houses cover? <laughs> I have no idea. Probably the same. But near, it- nearly the size of a tennis court. Okay, great. The 21-foot-high gingerbread house in Byron, Texas, 90 miles southwest of Houston, has been declared by the Guinness Book of World Records the largest gingerbread house in the motherfucking world. Is it still there? I don't know. I hope not. It's probably covered in bees. This recipe is simple. Mix 1,800 pounds of butter. 2,900 pounds of brown sugar, 7,200 eggs, which that amount of eggs just, like, makes me sick to think about. Hold on, I'm writing this down. And, okay, okay, (laughs) and then you sift in 7,200 pounds of all-purpose flour, all-purpose flour, and then 1,080 ounces of ground ginger and a few other ingredients. 1,080 ounces of ground ginger. It's so specific. I don't even need this motherfucker. Uh, And then you bake it. Somewhere, I guess, in the sun. I don't know any oven that's big enough Where? to. That's all that. <laughs> Set it out in the sun for you have fifty to just, years. 
take it and put it underneath a rocket that's launching into space. And yeah. Then, like, instantly cook. Exactly. Um, my biggest problem with gingerbread houses is... They're gross. People touch them, and then you're supposed to eat them. Don't guess. I was going to okay. just tell you. Sorry. <laughs> People touch them, and you're supposed to just eat them. No, you're not supposed to eat them. That's okay. my biggest problem. Oh, yeah. So, I, to me, we also... We, when I was in middle school or grade school, we made gingerbread ornaments that were, like, like hard-baked to sort of last a really oh, long yeah. time. Like, they would be Christmas ornaments that you put up every year uh-huh. on the tree. And I was really mad because I'm like, why would we make something out of food that's not supposed to be eaten? I agree. Why make a fucking house out of gingerbread? No point. Because you can't eat it. In order to make it sturdy and structurally sound, you can't actually, you have to use like glue, like almost like mm-hmm. in the, in, even if you use like fondant, that stuff is like, it's just like, it's not, it doesn't taste good. No. They look cool, but like, I just, there's, my brain does not understand why build a structure out of food. That you I, actually can't eat. I completely agree. If you made a gingerbread, if you made me a pizza house. <laughs> I am working on a pizza house for you right now. I would eat it and I would be excited. I love you. I want to marry you and I want to marry you and then move into our new pizza house. <laughs> <laughs> That's me being Italian. Everybody freeze a frozen pizza house. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I also, I love gingerbread. The soft gingerbread. Mm, yeah, I don't like good. the crispy, crunchy cookies as oh, no? much. Mm. I like pretty much, you know what I was thinking about on the way over here today? I like almost everything. And not just in food, just in general. You don't often hear me say, I don't like that. Do you? Uh, well, you got really mad about Melania's gingerbread house. Well, she's a blazing hot cunt. Am I right? Hmm. Allegedly? That's conjecture. I don't think that we can, we don't have to, like, say that Donald Trump is her. They're different people. They're separate. Okay. Fair enough. I'm still not a fan. Anyway, do you want to talk about our three favorite Christmas albums on our top three? Yes. Okay. What's yours? By three, I have 420. Go ahead. Let's hear them. So it changes every year what's on heavy rotation for me, but I have a new one this year. Melania's Bright Red Christmas. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, And it's called Christmas Joy in Latvia by the New York Latvian Choir, which is based in Yonkers, and they're a non-professional choir, but it's, it's beautiful. It's Quarrel. There's sleigh bells and chimes. It's nice. kind of intense, but sounds I, terrifying. I, everything's in Latvian, so you can't understand what they're saying. Perfect. Um, and I'm obsessed. Number two is Phil Spector's mm, "Present You a Merry Christmas." Whatever that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I could do without his little murder. No, the, at the end he's like, "I hey, wish you all a merry hey, Christmas." Phil Spector, my hair was so crazy when I was on trial for murder. Um, <laughs> And it was. It's it was like, my number one favorite one, just so you know. And I also have been listening. Um, Carpenter's Christmas for me oh is God, like so number one, number two, always. Yeah. Um, Amy Grant's Christmas album, which. Oh, what happened to her? Well, I don't know. I think she's still doing stuff. She like, you know, she was a Christian singer. Oh. She became a pop star. Uh-huh. Um, I was allowed, like my mom was into her because she was Christian. Uh, she made this great Christmas album. Then she started dating country music star I think Vince Gill I could be wrong about the mm-hmm. name while he was still married to someone else so it was scandal. a huge scandal even though she's supposedly a Christian and then they he divorced his wife and they got married and then who knows what happens after that oh my god um, also this isn't in my usual rotation but it comes out as I, the Harry Connick Jr. Christmas oh, album I love Harry Connick Jr. yeah he's a babe the look the feel he's wearing a red turtleneck sweater on the cover uh-huh. of that album it's amazing <laughs> it's hilarious he's to hot. me um, I love him. Yeah. Um, what else we got? We have um, um, White Christmas, the album. Bing, Bing Crosby. Crosby. Yes. Um, we also have, this is new to me, the Ventures one, which is just like surf rock mm-hmm. Christmas. No That's words. amazing. It's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like cool. It is cool. Um, and then there's also the um, like the Death Row Records Christmas That's album. That's an amazing one. Which is just fun to put on, to really change fun. it up. And I'm missing one, but I'll remember when you talk about yours. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that I was also going to talk about mine. You <laughs> named every single Christmas album in life. Uh-uh. My number three is Mariah Carey's Christmas album. Yes. My number two is John Denver and the Muppets. Oh, I actually don't know that one. Oh, it's really good. I have it on record. I can. I have it, it on record, too, but I've literally never listened to it. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's fun. And um, 
there's like one song on there. It's like Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat. If you wanna, I'm like, that's a good song. Um, and then my number one is Phil Spector and the Ronettes. Yeah, I also um, just remembered Chipmunks Christmas. Oh, love. Of course, I love the Charlie Brown Christmas. It's a classic. I don't mm-hmm. care if every basic bitch in the world listens to it. It's no, it's great. The great unifier. Sure. And um, my sister and I. This is pretty obscure, but there's. Um, it's like Merry Christmas from Tupperware. Like when you bought Tupperware. Like when, <laughs> it's funny. That I'm, is a deep cut. I'm listening to this podcast about direct marketing, which Tupperware was one of those like mm-hmm. scams um, in the '80s, and. Basically, if you bought this Tupperware, you got this free cassette tape, which was like a Merry Christmas from Tupperware. My what mom, are the songs like? I mean, there's Carpenter song on there. Oh, wow. There's like an instrumental song of sleigh bells that I really like because there's like a real horse whinny in it. Oh, and that's cool. Um, it's just very nostalgic, but I actually found it on eBay and bought my sister the vinyl record of it because it's, it's very much like our childhood. Yeah, my yeah. mom had it on tape and we would listen to it all the time. It's really cute. I know. That's awesome. I hope you have a really nice Christmas in Indiana. Thank you. I think I might spend Christmas alone this year if there's any single men out there that want to come join me for a <laughs> mug of hot chocolate in the bath. Just kidding. No. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Our friend Steven told us the other told me the other day. We're like out at dinner and he's like, I think I might go home. He's British, if you can't tell. I think I might go home and take a bath and drink a mug of hot cocoa. And I almost just vomited right there on the spot. Almost as bad as be- having someone read poetry to you. Wow. Uh, the image of that. Okay, anyway. Have Merry Christmas and uh, Merry Christmas to you. And a Happy New Year. We're happy going on break. Happy New Year to yeah, you. We won't be back until we don't know when. Happy 2020. We'll be back on January 8th. Great. Love you, everybody. Hasta the Christmas pasta. Bye bye. <laughs> Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.